I'm excited this morning. We're, we're looking at some tough words. Um, but already this morning, over the course of both meetings, we've been hearing... Uh, so this morning at 9.30, there was a word about God cares about our character. He doesn't leave us as we are. He accepts us as we are. He brings us in, and yet he, then he works in our lives. And he changes us, and he transforms us. We've heard, actually, interestingly, in both meetings from the book of Job, about Job goes through all sorts of things, but then his un- what he comes to at the end is God reveals, this is who I am. I thought I had it nailed, God. I didn't know anything. You're God. I'm just a man. And just hearing that sense of, you may have heard, you may have heard this, you may have heard this. This is what it says in the Word. This is what God has said. Let's soar on wings like eagles. I think God wants to do some of that with us this afternoon. As we, uh, as we look at these verses. So Hebrews chapter 12, I'll start from verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. If you've been with us when I've been preaching, you'll know for considerable time now we've been looking at the the letter to the Hebrews. We arrived uh, a couple of times ago at those wonderful words at the beginning of chapter 12, encouraging us to press on, to go for it, to go forward and run the race in faith, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Let me come to this. It's one of those passages that probably, if you're picking and choosing and going around, and if I was thinking, I'll just pick out a passage, just what's God putting on my heart, it probably wouldn't be Hebrews 12, 4 to 11. 
immediately. And yet I believe God's got some great truth to communicate to us today and great encouragement for us to get hold of. Hardship, perhaps also words like trial, persecution, suffering, are not words we like to hear very much. But we see in this passage, in fact, in this whole letter, the writer is so clear, this is so important. I've been feeling the weight and significance of this. If you were with us at our weekend away, uh, back in whenever we went away, April, April, forgotten already when it was. But we were, we were hearing about the sense of wells being unblocked, of disappointment being something that clogs up wells. In fact, that thing about wells being unblocked came uh, prophetically before that as well. I feel like there's something in this that is a well to be unblocked, or something that's in a well that needs to get out so that it can be unblocked. Perhaps people carrying disappointment. Perhaps people carrying a sense, for one reason or another, God doesn't care. Where is he? Has he forsaken me? I'm also aware that some among us may well be going through great hardship right now. All sorts of circumstances we may or may not be aware of. I certainly don't want to ride roughshod over any of that. But I want us to come back to the truth of the word. What does our author do in this situation? He asks an important question. Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? You see, on this subject of hardship, he's quite provocative. He's quite challenging. After this whole sense of in your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, which certainly grabs the attention straight away. He's challenging and suggesting, look, have you forgotten what it says? Have you forgotten what the truth is? Have you forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his sons? And we see... It's words he quotes from Proverbs 3, which is right here in the, in the text in Hebrews uh, 12. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Don't make light of it. Don't make light. Don't lose heart when, when you face discipline, when you face hardship. Ultimately, his encouragement is this. God is treating you as a son. God is treating you as his son. As his child. What a reminder for us today. Have we forgotten this word of encouragement? Have we forgotten it? Let's hear again what the word says about... Frankly, a pretty unappealing subject. Hardship. What does it say? So how do we see hardship? In fact, what is he talking about in terms of hardship? Is he talking about persecution? There seems to be some focus on this. In fact, in the beginning of chapter 12, he's just been talking about comparing and thinking, look, look consider and cast your mind to Jesus. What did Jesus face? 
Well, he went to the cross, of course, scorning its shame. But consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Yeah, opposition. They opposed his message, opposed everything he was doing. And in fact, the, the Hebrews themselves clearly have been battling with persecution. They've stood up in the face of it. He encourages them earlier in the letter in chapter 10 and verse 32. Remember those earlier days when you rece- after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered with do- along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the cons- com- confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So they're, they're clearly aware of and they've clearly faced persecution. He's clearly picking up on that in some way, but he makes it broader. When you face hardship... The context is this sense of running with perseverance, the race marked out for us. In every circumstance, in every situation. Reminds us in your struggle against sin, in your struggle against all temptation, everything that would, again, that that sin that so easily entangles that he talked about in the verses before, the stuff that would come and just tempt us and take us away. In your struggle against all of that, keep pressing on. You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. But he's talking about a whole range of things. In fact, we see even looking at the story we've looked the stories we've looked at in chapter eleven, the story basically of the Old Testament, at least the first part of it. All these different ones by faith, by faith, by faith, they did this and that and the other. We see this call to persevere in faith was in all sorts of circumstances. Yes, against some pretty direct persecution and opposition, but also in all the circumstances of life, in the waiting for the promises of God, in everything they had to give up, all sorts of things. And scripture talks about, yes, about persecution, yes, about opposition, but also of trials and hardship of all different kinds. James picks up on this at the beginning of his letter. In James 1 verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We remember the wonderful words in Romans chapter 8. In all things... God works for the good of those who love him. In all things. Romans 8, 28, he goes on in verse 31, what then should we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And again, in in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Well, look at all these different things. Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? What's his conclusion? Knowing all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And the writer here, he's broadened it out. Endure hardship. All sorts that come up in life. All sorts of things that come our way. We're called to persevere in faith, but we're called specifically here to endure hardship as discipline. But how do we see hardship generally? 
when trouble hits, when we're faced with all sorts? Do we generally see a purely negative thing? Perhaps it's shock. Now, obviously, things take us by surprise. But shock, why am I facing this? How can this be? Perhaps our immediate thoughts turn to, well, this must be the enemy. This must be some kind of an attack. Now, of course, the enemy does attack. In fact, Richard was reminding us that in, the, in his prayer at the beginning. He's trying to get in with lies. He's trying to say, no, no, you can't come before God. He does attack. He does bring an attack against us. We see we're, we're encouraged in Ephesians 6 as we talk about the, uh, as Paul talks about the armor of God. Take up the shield of faith that you may extinguish all the fiery darts of the enemy. There is attack. And we're called to stand firm in the face of it. But is that the only thing that can be going on? Perhaps we think, actually, our thoughts are drawn to the fact, oh, I don't deserve this. We can so easily drift into a way of thinking that says, well, I've earned better than this. I've done my best. I've done well following God. I'm doing a good job. How could this have happened? How could this be? And yet, right in the face of that, what does our author draw us to? We've just looked at it in the previous verses. Who are we to consider? Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And we see as we're drawn back to Jesus in two different ways. Look, he's the one who deserved everything good. And yet he faced such opposition from sinners. And yet ultimately in doing that, he took what we deserve. We can cry out, I don't deserve it. No, actually we deserve worse. We deserve nothing good. The wages of sin is death. And yet, what does our author do? Consider him. Remember. Remember, hang on a minute. What's happened? Jesus has gone to the cross in your place. He's taken the punishment. He's taken the wrath of God against sin. He's done it so that we can come in. But yet, when trouble hits, we can so easily drift to thinking, I don't deserve it. Perhaps we start comparing with others as well. Or perhaps, maybe we come at it a different way. Yeah, no, I can see it. God must be punishing me. It is all my fault. I've got it wrong. I must be, therefore, out of God's favour. God doesn't like me. He's left me. Even to the point we could be thinking, oh, well, you know, this thing that's hit, this proves, actually, we've got it all wrong about God. Perhaps he isn't even there. Perhaps he isn't good after all. Perhaps he isn't as great as we made him out to be. We can so easily react badly when hardship comes, when trouble strikes, when trials come, and so much of it, there's understandable sense of, oh, what is going on, God? And yet we don't stay there. <coughs> Do we hear this truth? Have you forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? 
can we see that in the midst of hardship, in the midst of all circumstances, in the midst of everything, God is treating you as a son. He disciplines the ones he loves. See, first and foremost in this encouragement, what are we reminded of? We're reminded of where we find truth, ultimately. We find it here. You see, the Hebrews receiving the letter were buffeted by circumstances, buffeted by persecution. That they they'd come out of, hence the name of the letter. They were Hebrews who'd come out of the worshiping with the in the Jewish synagogue. They'd come and say, "No, we've we've seen Jesus is the Messiah who's come. We're going to follow him." And those who were with him, them are saying, no, "What are you doing? Come back with us. What, what what is this all about? There's persecution starting to come. There's all sorts going on." They're, They've not got the protection of the the big established religion anymore. They're kind of out on their own. There's all sorts going on. Perhaps it looks pretty bleak for them. But the author reminds them and reminds us, if they needed reminding, why are you looking at your circumstances for the ultimate truth? Yes, that's happening. Yes, that's going on. Yes, that is the case that it's happened. But what does it say here? Have you forgotten? What is he saying they've forgotten? Well, Proverbs 3, verse 11 and 12. The word of God, the truth that's found in Scripture. Not just there, but throughout Scripture. Look, this is what it says. This is what it says. It's in here. You know what is true. It's a great reminder for us. What is true? When it all comes down to it, when everything is laid bare, what is true? This is true. Where is the solid ground? It's in hearing the words of Jesus and putting them into practice. As Jesus encouraged those who heard the the parable of the wise and foolish builders, this is the rock. This is where the rock is. Hear my words and put them into practice. That's like a builder building on solid rock. Because this is true. All his words are true. That's the encouragement that we've been giving in these verses. Persevere, live it out. How? Well, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him in his words. As he speaks to us by his spirit, fix your eyes on him. And in some ways, the author's attitude is a bit, well, why are you surprised? Of course, things come out of the blue and they can be a shock, but why are you surprised that you're facing hardship they're facing all sorts of things but in a sense you hear a bit of an echo of Jesus' words in John 16 and verse 33 when he's talking to his disciples I've told you all these things why? so that you may in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world The writer's picking up. Have you forgotten the word of encouragement? Understand, Jesus has said this. God said this. This is the truth. We will face hardship. There will be hardship. Don't be surprised by it. Don't be downhearted. Don't be overwhelmed by it. But both that, we will face hardship. But also, that God disciplines the ones he loves. 
This is the truth that he's declaring to us. So therefore, do we see hardship in this way? Can we see, actually, I can go through this with God because I know that he is a loving father who disciplines the ones he loves. You see, even then we, we start to struggle. Because immediately we think discipline, punishment, I've got it wrong, I need to learn a lesson. I've got something wrong, I haven't done well enough, I haven't earned the right to avoid this, so now I'm being punished and I better learn my lesson quickly so that I can get back over here. Now, of course, rebuke comes. God does bring challenge in those ways. You see, you see him bring challenge to the church, for example, in Laodicea, in Revelation. They've got things wrong. Massively wrong. And God cares too much not to bring correction. Not to bring the rebuke. In Revelation 3, verse 19, those whom I, rebuke, uh, whom I, the, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. So there is a call to repentance sometimes and often. He's not going to leave us in that place. But actually, what is he talking about with discipline? We looked at it last time very deliberately. This is what a father does with a child. He trains and instructs and he corrects and he leads them on to maturity. This is what God's doing. This is what God's doing. It's not just, I need to learn this lesson quickly. I need to get out of this bad place. If we focus too much on that, we just get into this place of just thinking, well, I've got to sort it out. I've got to fix it. What's going on? Because the overwhelming sense is, actually, all have sinned and fallen short. Jesus has paid the price. He's taken the punishment. He's brought us in to his family. But he's moving us on. He's training us and teaching us. He cares too much to leave us where we are. And if we focus too much on, oh, this must be rebuke and correction, uh, what's the lesson I need to learn? We miss the encouragement and the focus on, in this moment I can see I have a loving father and I am his child. This is the encouragement that he brings. Again, in the midst of it all, to fix our eyes on him. So what specifically is the encouragement that comes? If we see, endure hardship as discipline, God is treating you as a son, what is the encouragement for us? Well, number one, it is the fact that we are his children. And this, in this, we see it all the more clearly. Verse 5, that's what he says. Have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? In even doing this at all, this is him showing his father heart to us. I'll bring discipline. I care enough to do it. I'm not going to leave you where you are. You are my son. You're not just someone on the edge who I can just think, well, I don't really care less what they do. You're my son. I love you. You see, in a sense, hardship and discipline feel discouraging. But in verse 7, or verse 8, in effect, the author's kind of saying, actually, what would be discouraging if we never faced anything that looked like discipline? If we never faced any discipline, that would be pretty discouraging. Because are we really children at all? 
But he pops up in the middle and says, no, actually, but everyone receives discipline. We're all brought into his kingdom. If we're in Christ, we are the sons of God. And so he disciplines the ones he, love, he loves. So it shows we are his legitimate children. Secondly, it shows us he loves us too much not to discipline us. Verse 6, the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. See, it's so easy for us to slip into that position of, well, but if God loves me, then why on earth has this happened? If God loves me, how could it ever have got to this? But the truth that the writer of the Hebrews is pointing out is because he loves you more than you can even know. Because he loves you more than you realize, not less. Because he loves you more than any of us could ever love. He loves you enough to bring challenge. He loves you enough to train and instruct and and lead you through and say, my grace is sufficient for you. And to say, in the midst of this, I am with you and I'm your father. To bring you through every hardship. Because he wants, what, in verse 11, a harvest of righteousness and peace. And in the verse before, he wants us to share in his holiness. You see, God's not in the habit of looking for a bunch of comfortable, spoiled children. He wants children who look like his son. And he loves us enough to work in us to make us more like Jesus. He accepts us as we are, but he doesn't leave us as we are. And in the midst of that, do we understand everything? No. No. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Very painful in many circumstances. We can't understand, how can this be right? It's so painful. No, even so. Even so, we can't understand it fully, but we know this is what's true. We know that when this tells us, and we know it, and we know because Jesus went to the cross, that we have a Father who loves us. We have a Father who is good, and we have a Father who knows best in every circumstance. So be encouraged And don't be surprised. Yes, of course, things take us by surprise. That's not what I mean. But don't be surprised that we face troubles, that we face trials, that we face hardship. (coughs) Be prepared and therefore encouraged by this truth. Remember Romans 8.28, in all things, he works for the good of those who love him. Remember James 1.2, consider it pure joy. Now that's hard. It's coming to the point. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because God is at work. Not because the the activity is particularly joyful, but God is at work. And he's bringing us to a place of holiness, of righteousness. He's making us more like Jesus. Which ultimately, well, just blows our minds. Consider it pure joy. For, for you see, thirdly, 
Firstly, it shows that we are his sons. Secondly, it shows that he loves us more than we can know. Thirdly, because it is for our good. Verse 11 points it out. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. You see, it's not, it's not always obvious. You see, if it was obvious, okay, I'm in this place, what's the lesson I need to learn? Ah, yes, good, tick, done. In some ways, that would seem easier. But no, God calls us, I am leading you on. I'm at work in you. Yes, you will face troubles. Yes, you will face all sorts of things, but I am at work in all of those things. I'm bringing you to a place of maturity. I'm bringing you to a place of of being like my son. I'm treating you as a true son. You see this wonderful verse in the middle. In verse, uh, at the end of verse 9, it's talked about the fact we've had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. And then he says this, how much more should we submit to the father of spirits, and what does he say? And live. It's like, submit to him, he brings life. Life. You kind of expect him to say something like, submit to the Father of Spirits and he'll do you good. Or, or it will cause, again, like he says later, it will cause a, a harvest of righteousness and peace. And we just go straight to the... Submit to him and live. This is life. This is, this is life in all its fullness. Following him through everything and in everything. And we see the contrast. We looked at it last time, the fact that discipline inherently is something that human fathers are called to do. They do it as they think best. And we respected them for that. But ultimately, this is the same and yet completely different. God disciplines us for our good. Full stop. Not as he thinks best, it is as he thinks best, but his best is always perfect. He's not trying to make it up as he goes along and work it out and think, well, what do I do in this situation? Uh, what will I do here? He disciplines us for our good. We'll bring a harvest of righteousness and peace and that we may share in his holiness. So therefore, how should we respond to hardship? Ultimately, we need to come back here. Come back to the word and know the truth. It's so key. God is your father. In the midst of hardship, know this, know it, know it. He is treating you as a son. Whatever, in that sense, whatever it feels like, however painful it is, don't dismiss it. Don't dismiss the pain, the pain and the painfulness, but know, ultimately, under and in and through all that, what is God doing? He's treating me as a son. My father loves me. In the midst of this, that's what he's doing. But what do we see in the encouragement itself? Proverbs 3, 11, sorry, we'll stay in Hebrews 12, but those verses from Proverbs 3. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Here's how we respond. 
Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart, for he is with you. Remember those words in Romans, Romans 8, a bit further on. What can separate us from the love of God? None of these things. Be encouraged. The one who is your father in heaven, he is with you, and he loves you, and he disciplines the ones he loves. So don't lose heart. But also, don't take lightly when he rebukes you. Don't take lightly when he brings discipline. Don't take lightly when hardship comes. In one sense, that's true. We can so easily think, actually, well, I'm going through this, but it'll pass. That's fine. Perhaps in some situations. Now God says, no, let me transform you. Let me be at work in you. Let me work for your good in this. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 gives that interesting tension. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work within you. Let's work it out. Let's keep going. In the midst of it, we think, actually, God, I'm coming back to you. What's going on here? Would you be at work in me? I know you're at work in me. That's what's happening. Don't take it lightly. But also... The temptation is to try to, in a sense, take it lightly. The temptation is that, well, we have to therefore feel okay all the time. Because if we know this truth, well, we're enduring hardship as discipline. Actually, it must be a good thing then. It's good because God's doing something good in it. So therefore, I must feel okay. It'd be wrong if I didn't feel okay. It'd be wrong if I was kind of down or struggling or whatever else, that would be wrong then, wouldn't it? No. Ensure hardship as discipline. The clue's in the word. Hardship is hard. I'll let that sink in. He's not saying, when endured hardship as if it wasn't hardship, that actually it's just easy. When we face trials and troubles of many kinds, it will be hard. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. We're not to pretend it's not. Don't lose heart. Yeah, don't cave in to the feelings of despair or anger or feeling rejected or where is God in all this? Don't lose heart. But neither are we to pretend, I'm fine. I'm supposed to be fine, so I am, through gritted teeth. We go through it with God. He leads us through it. And you know what? He's put us in a family. We're a body, a family. So in the midst of hardship, don't pretend it's okay. But find support. Be open, be vulnerable, be honest with one another. Because he doesn't say, endure hardship as an easy thing that really you shouldn't be bothered about. We endure hardship. And we go through it. And we can go through it together. You, with God, and, and with the rest of us. We support one another, encourage one another. Pray with one another. But have we forgotten this word of encouragement? addresses us as a father addresses his son. 
my encouragement, let's remember today, God is our Father and he loves us. I believe for some today there is that sense of feeling disappointed, perhaps. I'll summarise it like that. Maybe there is this sense of this well to unblock. What's gone wrong? Where is God? What's happened in all of this? I don't get it. I cannot understand perhaps a major problem that has come. Serious illness, job situations, bereavement, family problems, maybe direct persecution and opposition. All sorts of things that we face. It's just, you know, in your mind, this has just put me in a place. I don't know what's going on anymore. Where's God in all this? Or perhaps more subtly, perhaps a feeling of being left out maybe feeling on the sidelines, perhaps hurt by this, perhaps resentful. What's gone wrong here? What's happening here? Danger also for us. Perhaps we slipped into that sense of comparing. Why me? Why am I facing this? Or perhaps, maybe the other way around, I don't understand God. Why are they facing that again? Why are they going through this? How, how can that be? To be honest, we drift so easily to a sense of, oh, is this fair? But we're called back to this truth. We have a father who loves us. And he calls us to run the race set out before us. And he is with us. So I would encourage us, in all those situations, let's know this truth. Let's believe it. Let's come back to it and be encouraged. God is with us. He is a father who loves us. And he is treating us as sons. He's always working for our good. Have we forgotten this word of encouragement?